From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. One of the perks of writing a book that winds up on multiple publications' best of the year lists is that you get invited to some interesting events. Dorothy Brown, author of The Whiteness of Wealth, How the Tax System Impoverishes Black Americans and How We Can Fix It, got invited to Capitol Hill. After the 2021 publication of her book, she testified before the Senate Finance Committee about how the tax code disparately affects taxpayers of color. Today, we have the Georgetown Law Professor on our weekly podcast. She spoke to Bloomberg tax editor Yuri Nagano about the Stanford University research inspired by her book and about the new Treasury Department advisory group she's a part of. Here's Dorothy Brown. At the Senate Finance Committee hearing, they were questioning the then nominee for the IRS commissioner, now confirmed IRS commissioner, about an audit study that showed if you were black and applied for the earned income tax credit, you were three to five times more likely to be audited. And Senator Wyden asked the IRS to provide a report within 60 days that would explain how this happened and what the IRS was doing to fix it. It was a welcome a welcome request. Well, so how did the Stanford University study come about? So one of the authors presented his paper at Georgetown Law School at a tax policy colloquium. And the first slide was a picture of me and the book, the, white, the cover of The Whiteness of Wealth. And the author said that the work that I had done in The Whiteness of Wealth showing how our tax policy disadvantages black Americans while advantaging white Americans motivated him to look at this racial disparity issue in the enforcement context, in the auditing context. So when you start thinking about race and tax, it really isn't a strong leap to think about, well, how do the tax police, the IRS and audits, how do, how do the tax police deal with this question of taxpayer racial identity? The new IRS commissioner needs to come back with what he finds within 60 days, correct? Yes, that's what Senator Wyden asked for, report back within 60 days. Let's talk about your book, The Tax Code. It actually isn't colorblind, is that what you're saying? Correct. So people tend to think, or at least before my book came out, people tended to think that taxes and race did not go together. In fact, I went in a tax law thinking tax and race didn't go together. And one day when I was a law professor, I read an article that said, how do you know there isn't a race and tax issue if you didn't look? And I decided I was going to look. I didn't know what I was going to find. I was going to look. And the first thing I found is that neither the Treasury nor the IRS published statistics by race. So how would I ever look to see if there was a racial, racially disparate impact? So what I wound up doing was reading race research and applying my tax lenses to that race-based research. And I showed whether black people were getting married, whether we were buying homes, whether we were working, whether we were trying, you know, paying for college or trying to save up to build wealth for our children. The tax laws disadvantage black Americans while advantaging white Americans. And there's nothing in the tax law that says blacks pay more. But the way systemic racism operates through our federal income tax system is, in fact, black Americans are more likely to pay higher taxes than their white peers. In your book, you talk about your family, your parents. Can you tell us about them? 
sure. So, you know, as a good daughter, I would prepare my parents' tax returns. And after I graduated law school and I practiced law for a while, I represented investment bankers and one of my clients hired me. So I became an investment banker. I moved back to New York. I was in D.C. at the time practicing law. I moved back to New York. I moved back in with my parents. And I'm making by myself as much money as they are combined. My mother was a nurse. My father was a plumber. And under the progressive tax system, I should pay higher taxes. And I did pay higher taxes. But I should have paid significantly more taxes than they did, and I didn't. And I always came away from doing their tax returns thinking they're paying too much in taxes, and I can't figure out why I'm not doing anything wrong. Their return is fairly simple. But I, every April 15th, I came away with the notion they were doing something wrong. But I had a full-time job, right? So I don't have time to figure this out. It wasn't until I became a law professor and started on this quest to see if there was a race and tax issue that I stumbled upon the answer. And I, the answer was they paid so much in taxes because they were married to each other. They were paying significant marriage penalties because the way our joint return operates is if you have one spouse who works in the paid labor market and one spouse who stays at home, that couple gets a tax cut when they get married. We call that the marriage bonus. If, however, we have two spouses that earn roughly equal amounts, which is where my parents were, my mother and father earned virtually equal amounts, that couple, when they get married, pay higher taxes than if they had stayed single, and that's called the marriage penalty. So the first thing I ever wrote from a race and tax perspective was about the marriage bonus and the marriage penalty. And Census Bureau research showed that white married couples were more likely to be in a marriage bonus household, and black married couples were more likely to be in a marriage penalty household. And it solved the mystery of my parents' tax return. Can you talk about how your father, as a plumber, wasn't able to join the union? You say there was discrimination. Plumbers in New York were excluded from the pl – black plumbers were excluded from the union. The union would not let black plumbers join. As a result, my father worked for a private entity, that a private plumbing company, that didn't provide him with retirement benefits. So as a result, you know, my family is put behind – his white plumber peers who were able to get a good paying union job many, many years before he was able to. Your book also explains what home ownership looks like for black taxpayers. There's a big difference in generational and it sounds like accumulation of wealth. Is that right? Yes, so I call it an appreciation gap. So research, sociology research shows, and it, this is not even controversial, there are like decades of research showing this, that when you buy a house in an all-white neighborhood or virtually all-white neighborhood, that has the most homeownership appreciation. The houses appreciate the most. When you own a home in a racially diverse or all-black neighborhood, the appreciation is significantly less, and you might even be more likely to sell your home at a loss. The gain that you sell your home at as your principal residence is tax-free, up to a quarter of a million dollars if you're single, half a million dollars if you're married. However, losses are not deductible. 
And what the research shows is black Americans or most black homeowners are most likely to live in racially diverse or all black neighborhoods, whereas white homeowners are more likely to live in all white neighborhoods, which means our tax subsidies for homeownership that give you the ability to sell a home at up to half a million dollars of gain tax-free is more likely to benefit white homeowners than black homeowners. It will benefit a black homeowner if they're the only one in the neighborhood or one of only two or so black homeowners in the neighborhood. But research shows once you have more than 10% of your neighbors are black, the, the market depreciates that home and the values fall. And as the percentage of black neighbors increases, there is a percentage of the valuation that decreases. So homeownership doesn't work the same way for black Americans that it does for the typical white American. Your book is, I really appreciate it, it's like peeling an onion. It's quite layered. And basically you explain why there's disparity racially and generationally at every level, including education. Can you talk about how historically black colleges and universities are set up? So, yeah, so when we think about paying for college, you know, there are all kinds of tax breaks, but the ones that I focus on in the book are the, is the deduction for student loan interest. The deduction for student loan interest on the one hand with someone who pays for college and the tax exemption for not-for-profit colleges and universities, especially, you know, I talk about those that are what I call at the top of the pyramid, the most selective, highest ranking uh, universities that get a tax exemption, but they don't, there are no requirements that they do anything with that tax exemption. So, you know, if you look at admissions over the last couple of decades, you don't see these selective institutions making much headway with increasing black enrollment, for example. So when we think about where black students go to college, a disproportionate percentage go to for-profit colleges. And why do they go to for-profit colleges? They go to for-profit colleges because for-profit colleges make it easy. If you're a single parent, if you're working full-time, for-profit colleges enable you to take classes online, whereas elite institutions do not. You, you know, Even though we went through COVID and you would think that there would be some capacity for generating degrees online going forward, pretty much schools have gone back to in-person, which makes it beyond the reach of many people who want to go to college. And we look at this student loan interest deduction that's capped at $2,500. And we see that black students are more likely to have higher debt than white students. Therefore, black students may have too much debt and they're capped in, at $2,500. So they're not able to even take a deduction for all the interest that they pay. You explained this in your book. Our tax system was originally set up in a much more progressive way. It sounds like. What happened? Well, in a nutshell, at the very beginning, the only people who paid taxes were rich white Americans. And the only people that didn't like that were rich white Americans. As a result, they lobbied Congress. They went to the courts. They used our judiciary. They used our legislative branch. They used every 
avenue that they had to change the tax laws so that they would wind up paying less taxes. And then along came World War II, where we actually needed additional revenue. And then our tax system moved from only the rich white Americans pay taxes to the rest of us pay taxes. All right. So let's talk about the now. The Treasury's Office of Tax Analysis came out with a report on racial inequity in January. They basically confirmed what you found, didn't they? Yes. But this time it's the government doing it, not this academic. So, you know, I welcome Treasury finally giving us some race and Hispanic ethnic ethnicity data. I just don't want to see this as a one-off. I want them to internalize the racial equity order that President Biden signed and and see that this is a foundational principle that when they put out things like the Green Book, they don't ignore racial equity. Well, I'm asking because you're part of a new committee launch back in October, also by the Treasury, and they look at racial inequity. Right. The Treasury Advisory Committee on Racial Equity. I'm a member. It's a 25-person body, and I'm a member of what we affectionately refer to it as T-Acre. And, you know, the way it's set up is T-Acre meets, deliberates, votes on recommendations to Secretary Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, and she decides which of the recommendations she's going to implement. So we're not at the stage where there have been any public recommendations, but once there are, then the question is how many does the Secretary Yellen take and implement, and how does the implementation go? And is there any indication of what Secretary Yellen would be open to advocating for from this group? No, I don't. I certainly, as one member of the committee, <laughs> I couldn't say, right? So the question is, I think Secretary Yellen is very open to issues of fairness, especially when it comes to racial equity. It's just going to be a question of what it is she actually does. Finally, all right, as professor, you regularly give out grades to your students. I wonder if you could give out a grade to this situation. What would that look like? So I'd give different grades. I'd give the Biden administration and their, you know, publishing a, a executive order requiring racial equity. I'd give them a B plus. And I'd mm. give them a B plus because they're trying. I think they need to make sure that the like, Treasury and the IRS are internalizing it, right? So I give them a B plus. I give Treasury a grade of incomplete Oof. because the study that came out is a good thing, but the green book that came out that ignored race is ridiculous. So the, the nicest grade I could give Treasury is an incomplete. And the IRS, I give a grade of F. Anyone in the face of first ProPublica, and now the Stanford study that shows there is racially disparate outcomes, anyone who sees that and says, oh, no, 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 we don't want to do anything about race, is someone who isn't serious about fairness or racial equity. F. And that was Georgetown Law Professor Dorothy Brown speaking to Yuri Nagano. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. 
Today's Talking Text was produced by Yuri Nagano and myself, David Schultz. Rachel Daigle is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, it's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.